Hello from the State Bar of Michigan Annual Meeting 2016 in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm Joanne Hathaway. I'm Tish Vincent. And I'm Lawrence P. Nolan. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. It's a pleasure to be here. Today we're talking to Larry Nolan, 82nd President of the State Bar of Michigan. Yes, Larry, we're so pleased that you joined us today on the podcast, and we'd like to hear your thoughts on the Diversity and Inclusion Committee that you've been serving on and your interest in that initiative with the State Bar. Well, thank you, Tish. Um, Back in uh, 2011, 2012, Tony Jenkins, then President of the State Bar, initiated a standing committee on diversity inclusion advisory committee and uh, we uh, I've been on that committee with Judge uh, Cynthia Stevens from the Michigan Court of Appeals now for the last uh, two years and we'll continue this upcoming year and we hope that uh, that we reach out and pledge not only uh, individually but some of the firms to increasing and promoting diversity within our bar association. A lot of the things that we we are looking at is obviously different than what the bar association looked like 32 years ago when I was on the young lawyer section of the state bar. Uh, There was not a lot of women in leadership positions or not a lot of people of color in leadership positions. 1984, I was sworn in in Grand Rapids, Michigan as president of the Young Lawyers section of the State Bar of Michigan. Dennis Archer at that time was sworn in at, as the uh, first person of color uh, to the State Bar presidency. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't short after that, two years, Julia Darlow was then sworn in as the first uh, woman president of the State Bar of Michigan. And from that point forward, things began to change. I imagine so. Um, I think that is such an important issue. And in some other conversations I've heard about diversity and inclusion, they talk about attempting to have some practices that will sustain continued diversity and inclusion. So to get members of this profession to embrace this, not not for one year, but to consistently sustain this effort to be inclusive to people from other faiths, other races, all the whole broad spectrum of human beings. In the work that the State Bar Committee did, did they talk about that at all, sustainability? Or? Well, certainly. I mean, that's a major goal mm-hmm. uh, of ours, Tish. And, and I want to make sure people understand that going back to when and I just gave the inaugural speech uh, when I was sworn in a few hours ago when my parents um, came to the United States they both immigrated my dad was one of 13 children in Northern Ireland and being Catholic in Northern Ireland back in the 1900s early 1900s was was not easy and they were discriminated against because the English Protestants uh, taken by England were basically in the positions of, of political power as well as um, economic power. 
So my grandfather left with six of the oldest children. My dad was one of those at age 14, and they came to Quebec. And then he got a job as a police officer and sent for my grandmother with the other six or seven children, and they came over. But it wasn't long when they were in Quebec that they realized they were discriminated against because they were not French-speaking. They were English-speaking. And so they moved to Montreal for a better life because Montreal was more tolerant of bilingual um, individuals in their society. And then eventually they came to Windsor. Um, And so I I think what we have to understand is the Italians in Boston didn't want the Irish taking their jobs. The Irish in Boston didn't want the Italians coming in. So discrimination and wanting to put up walls was not foreign even back in the early 20s. But we we realized that diversity, whether you're Italian or Irish or black or male or female, doesn't make any difference. The American dream says justice for all, not justice for some. And my parents were able to achieve the American dream because of the immigration policies that they they had back then that allowed them to come and get jobs and work and raise a family in the U.S. And their persistence, they persisted when there was an obstacle, your family moved beyond that and found another way to make something happen that was valuable. Absolutely. And, And you hear rhetoric today with the political movement that we should put up walls or barriers to diversity. That weakens us as a society, that weakens us as a bar association. We have to reach out. A Muslim is not a a ISIS terrorist. A Mm -hmm. Muslim is a person that professes uh, a religion and belongs to a religion different than I do as an Irish Catholic, but that doesn't mean that they're not um, individuals that should be included in the Bar Association. The same uh, with with the idea that uh, um, if you have um, more opportunity for the LBGT community, um, it's it's only makes us stronger to understand that we have to reach out through the Diversity Inclusionary Committee and get people in positions of power, whoever they are, to make commitments to understand diversity and accept diversity and embrace it because it's going to make us stronger as a bar association and serving all the public. Is there anything that you can share with us as far as goals that the committee has this next coming bar year that uh, you are going to hope to accomplish or goals you've set for the committee to help to further this initiative? Well, Joanne, uh, this year we we, uh, brought in um, speakers on implicit bias on juries. I mean, it's not just um, including lawyers. It has to be uh, enveloping the jury system, uh, the judicial system, recognizing biases that we all have, inherent biases. And there's nothing wrong with biases as as long as we... um, know that those biases are not something that we act upon to discriminate based on the suspect categories uh, that that are protected by the Constitution. And so I think our goals are to continue the mission, uh, to push and push and push, and, in, and have inclusion and advisory uh, committee. Uh, we have a reception tonight 
we're we're going to um, contact people and increase the awareness and ask people to become actively involved. And I think it's a long-term project. It's not just something that happens overnight. And people have to accept other people. If we were to ask you, which we will, what you feel individual members of the State Bar of Michigan or anywhere uh, dealing with this particular initiative or firms could be doing to help um, with the furtherance of this. Can you speak to that, Larry? Oh, I certainly can. Uh, certainly uh, hiring women was a thing in the past that was unheard of. And then eventually when women were hired, they were given subordinate positions with subordinate pay, not equal to those of men when they're completely qualified. Um, Paulette Brown, first person of mm-hmm. color to ascend and first person uh of color as a woman to to be president of the state uh, of the American Bar Association. We like to say congratulations, we've broken the ceiling, but think about it. This is 2016. In 1932, Thurgood Marshall won a case to admit a black law student to the University of Maryland. It was a landmark case. Fast forward to 1954, and um, you look at um, Brown versus Board of Education, where segregation was was knocked down by the Supreme Court. Um, and yet, when a decision arose, there was no timeline for for desegregation. They just Brown versus Board of Education was something he argued. And, and then you get, you fast forward to 2016, and um, Paulette Brown was not elected because she was black. She was not elected because she was a woman. She was a leader, and that's why she was elected. She so happens to be black and so happens to be female. But she was a terrific leader. She's a terrific representation. And finally, finally, the Bar Association, after all those years, reached out and let somebody take the reins that was well qualified to take the reins. And I think she did a terrific job this year. I agree. And she keeps this issue of diversity and inclusion alive with her work as the immediate past president. She's very involved in it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And every husband and wife, every significant other, everyone that has a child should know that Paulette Brown has set the standard for every young girl who wants to go to law school, for every young girl of, young girl of color to know that those goals are attainable and reachable. And by doing that, we are going to be stronger and we are going to be more diverse and we are going to include other uh, associations, races, and religions. Well, we've reached the end of the road for today's episode. I want to thank Larry Nolan for being with us. We also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in iTunes. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. 
The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.